You're listening to Veterans for Recovery, a podcast that unpacks all things recovery within our extended military family. Join your host, retired Major John Donovan, a noted author, lecturer, and person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder, as he and his guests will break down current trending topics and research, along with all things recovery related to increasing recovery resilience and recovery capital within our veteran and service member communities. Now here's your host, Major John Donovan. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Veterans for Recovery. This is a podcast that looks at all things pertaining to our veterans, service members, and their family members who are in recovery or are seeking recovery. I'm John Donovan, a retired major of the U.S. Army and a person in long-term recovery. With me today is my guest, Katie Blue. Today, Katie and I will explore what recovery means and how it impacts our lives. Welcome, Katie, and thank you for being on the show today. Thanks, John. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are excited to be interviewing you today. Well, let's get right into this. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education, your profession, and your passions. Certainly. So Katie Blue, like you mentioned, um, I was born in Sox Center, Minnesota, so very much a small town Minnesota girl. Um, however, my dad was in the service. He served uh, in the Minnesota National Guard. And when I was about six years old, he decided to take his career elsewhere and went uh, into the active guard and worked for the National Guard Bureau, which took us all over the United States um, from the age of six for me. So I left Minnesota and decided, you know, right around my junior to senior year of college that um, that I wanted to enter into the profession as well. Um, but I was missing family here in Minnesota. So I decided to come back to Minnesota my senior year of high school. That was right around the same time my dad was retiring. And my mother and I moved home so that I could finish high school in the same small town that I went to first and second grade in, I think, maybe only first. <laughs> and uh, I retired, I'm sorry, I graduated uh, Sox Center High School and then received a three-year Army ROTC scholarship to go to St. Cloud State University. Uh, I was able to finagle myself into a one-year academic scholarship um, by kind of pitting a couple of different universities in the state against each other. And um, so, yeah, I went to St. Cloud State for my four years. I didn't really know what I wanted to do other than serve in the United States Army, um, but I was really good at math. Um, so I took up computer science and earned my master's degree in computer science with a minor in data voice communications which set me up very well for my career as an Army Signal Corps officer. So I spent 20 years in the Signal Corps in the Army, and I retired um, in October of 2018. During that time, I was, you know, able to earn a master's degree in computer science as well. 
and uh, had the honor of instructing at the United States Military Academy at West Point uh, for three years, which was a huge uh, accomplishment and honor to teach um, at that organization. Um, I was also able to nurture one of my favorite passions, which was skydiving. So I worked with the Army Black Knights. Most people have heard of the Golden Knights, which is the Army's parachute team. But the Military Academy has one as well. And it's actually one year older than the Black Knights, which is kind of interesting. I'm sorry, the Black Knights are one year older than the Golden Knights. Um, so I was able to skydive with cadets right there onto the campus of the United States uh, Military Academy at West Point. It was very, very cool. So I spent my 20 years in the service um, working on deployable tactical networks and making sure that no matter where our soldiers and troops were anywhere in the world, that they could be on Facebook within 15 minutes of uh, me setting up my satellite. <laughs> That's kind of the quick down and dirty. Wow, what an amazing, amazing career. And thank you for your service to our nation. Thanks, John. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm surprised as we're talking that you, our paths uh, haven't crossed sooner than this because we have so many interconnections. Uh, the Minnesota National Guard, of which I served in. Um, Sock Center is just up the road from us, and I play golf there quite frequently because there's two wonderful courses right there. We both went to St. Cloud State University. I used to live in upstate New York, not too far from West Point. would go up there and visit and bring visitors all the time. And so we have all these intersections, and yet we never really ran into one another until we both got to St. Cloud. Yeah, I know it's insane, John. I'm starting to find that more and more often. Uh, I've only been back in Minnesota for about 16 months, um, but the community here is very intertwined and it's a really interesting network to be a part of. So yeah, definitely uh, glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And so you and I are both in recovery uh, and that's kind of how our paths finally did intersect. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, in fact, I think we were just talking this morning, you and I first met at a recovery banquet. Tell us a little bit about how you got there. <laughs> That's a great question, um, John. So uh, in my recovery journey, I, I had to change everything and changing everything meant coming back to Minnesota, uh, which after 20 years, 20, well, actually you know, more than that, I'm 47. So since I was six years old, living everywhere but Minnesota, I said I was never coming back to Minnesota. And I listened to uh, what my folks were telling me about recovery and changing everything. So I moved home to Minnesota and um, did some recovery with the VA. And then when that treatment kind of started to dwindle, I knew I was going to need the support of the community to stay on my path in recovery. And I ended up posting in a Facebook group called Sober Squad. Someone picked me up for a meeting and I was introduced to RCN. And I really attribute the recovery community network here in St. Cloud with saving my life um, and providing me that community outlet you know, as well as I do after serving, 
when you lose that camaraderie, it's, it's, there's really nothing else like it that I've found until I found the recovery community. Yeah, absolutely. We often say that addiction happens in isolation and the opposite of addiction is connection. And what you're describing is that connection, that connection to a recovery community, that collaboration, two key components to recovery, connection and collaboration. How did Sober Squad help you build your recovery network? That's a great question, um, John. So I have dabbled in all forms of recovery. I am a smart facilitator. I am a 12-stepper. I work in AA program. I like to go to NA meetings. Um, but, you know, at the time I was, I was new kind of back to the area and I was just looking for uh, a support circle, like a support group. And Sober Squad really offered me that, um, this is going to sound horrible, you know, I, I wasn't, um, ready yet to jump in both feet with the AA again. I was ready just to be around other people in recovery and be a part of a recovery community. And Sober Squad provided that for me. Um, just a really great support group, uh, kind of along the lines of a Native American talking circle. And I was able to go and meet um, other folks like me wanting to stay connected to the community. Um, which eventually led me getting back into my AA program and my sponsor and attending, you know, the AA conferences and the NA conferences and doing everything again. But Sober Squad was really just that introduction for me back into the St. Cloud community so I could submit, meet some other folks in recovery here in St. Cloud. Well, I think that's a really important point for our listeners is that what I hear you saying is essentially that you were a savvy consumer of recovery. And what a great opportunity people in recovery have today. You know, not too long ago, there were two basic 12-step programs, AA and NA. And if either of those programs didn't really click with you, there weren't many other recovery options. And today, recovery has just exploded. We see smart recovery, which you mentioned. Of course, your 12-step groups. Then there are faith-based recovery programs like Celebrate Recovery and Celebrate Sober. So what I hear you saying is that you were kind of savvy about what you wanted to consume in terms of recovery, and it really launched your recovery program as well as making connections with this recovery community. It did, John. Um, thank you for that. It absolutely, I'm one of those people that likes uh, a menu of available options, and I've really dabbled in a little bit of everything in recovery, and uh, it's wonderful. Well, I think, you know, as a uh, retired uh, lieutenant colonel, do I have that correct, your rank? Yes. And I know one of my mentors when I came into him one day and said, hey, boss, there's this problem, and um, I think we should go here, uh, he stopped me cold and said, yeah, I always need three courses of action. 
never <laughs> present to me one course of action. When you bring in a problem, I want three potential solutions. Did yeah, you that's anything like that in your uh, military career. Oh goodness, John! You know, oh. as a as a terminal S three, I mean, that's basically where I lived in the military. That was my life. <laughs> So all of that cognitive behavioral therapy and the pros and cons lists and courses of action um, really carried with from the military into my therapy and recovery. Exactly. And I think that's so important because options, options, options. You know, we never want to pigeonhole somebody into, you know, the proverbial square peg into the round hole. Um, we want to work with people where they are at and help them along their recovery journey, whatever their particular recovery journey might be. Things like harm reduction, things like abstinence-based, things like medication-assisted treatment or medication-assisted recovery. What are some of your thoughts on that? Absolutely, John. I feel like there are so many pathways out there for people in recovery. And that's the beauty, I think, of working with Recovery Community Network as well, is that we get to support people on all pathways. Um, I really, you know, feel good working in an organization where there's a safe place for people in recovery, no matter what they want to do. And so having dabbled in a little bit of everything myself, I really enjoy presenting that menu of options to folks I'm working with as well. It's, it's very exciting. Well, and you mentioned the Recovery Community Network. Expand on that a little bit. What role do you play in that organization? Uh, yeah. So um, again, like I said before, my recovery journey, I, I finally decided to surrender um, instead of being in control of everything. And, and as I surrendered, opportunities started to present themselves. So I started as a mere volunteer with Recovery Community Network uh, in September of uh, 2022. Uh, they hired me on for 20 hours a week, uh, right around the October, November timeframe. And uh, now I'm the executive director. So you know, I feel like my higher power has uh, provided me with opportunities that are going to help me not only in my life purpose, uh, but in my recovery as well to carry on um, my service um, to the community. And I'll tell you, you know, when I retired in October of 2018, I really struggled with the sense of who Katie Blue is, you know, as a child we moved around and so it was kind of like a chameleon fitting in wherever and you know kind of becoming what everybody else wants you to be and in the military um you know it's all about that as well and when i retired i i didn't really know who i was and um this this has helped me kind of figure out that wow katie is a person of service and so i need to be doing something of service and recovery for me uh, you know, I wouldn't be here speaking with you today uh, if I hadn't stopped doing what I was doing. And so it's very meaningful to me and it's very meaningful to be able to give back and help others along their journey. Well, that's incredible, Katie, and we're all the better for it because you have had a huge impact on this recovery community network and the people that you come in contact with every day. Tell us a little bit about your military journey, but 
More specifically, Katie, how your military experiences have augmented your recovery experiences. What lessons did you pull for pull forward from your time in the military to your time in recovery? Uh, what kind of lessons did you learn that are applicable uh, to you and to our listeners who are sober curious? Sure, John, that's a great, great question. Thanks. So, you know, looking back, it's it seems like um, both in the Midwest community and in the military and in some other organizations, um, alcohol use for me seemed like a huge part of that culture. And I never thought that, uh, I always kind of thought that camaraderie equaled fun equaled drinking, you know, equaled happy. And in recovery, I've found that, you know, I've found the same camaraderie that I had in the military um, with a group of sober and clean, pretty awesome people. And I honestly, you know, having grown up, uh, my mom and dad owned a bar when I was little, I lived upstairs the bar. You know, in fact, I can remember coming home, um, you know, when I was when I was in the military, coming home for a visit and going to the bar with my mom and and gentlemen 20 years older than me saying, I used to hold you on my lap when you were this big and used to drink the foam off my beer. And I would giggle and say, yeah, and you wonder why I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, kind of growing up in that in that um, thing, what you know, what I've learned is you can have that camaraderie uh, without, um, you know, drinking. And it, it's just so much more freeing and amazing than I ever thought it could be in recovery. Well, that is amazing. And with your military experiences, when you are working your recovery program, do you pull on any of that? Like one of the things that I talk about with recovery audiences, and maybe you've heard this before uh, because I took them from the army values. Uh, people say, well, what are the principles of recovery? And I tell them it's leadership, loyalty, because it's not an I program, it's a we program. Discipline, because as people in active addiction, we tend to lead pretty undisciplined lives. Uh, we'll call in sick when we're not really sick or we've got hangovers. Uh, we might not finish product products or projects. We don't come in on time. So I tell them, you know, discipline is an important part of recovery, showing up and suiting up and being on time and punctual. I tell them it's about responsibility of giving back freely to the recovery community. I tell them it's about selfless service. And that is when a person reaches out for help, I want to be a part of that solution. I want to carry the message, not the mess. I tell them that it's about honesty. And I tell them it's about integrity. And I tell them it's about perseverance. Now, that acronym leadership was taken right from the Army values. But I think it is so applicable to recovery. What are some of your thoughts on that, Kitty? No, oh, it is, John. I mean, as you were going through those army values again, I kind of got goosebumps um, thinking about them. I would say 
they're all important in my life right now, but I will absolutely say that the number one for me in my recovery, when my recovery journey started and I went to my first treatment was honesty. And I realized that I hadn't been honest with myself. I hadn't been honest with others around me. And that in order for me to be truly free, um, I was going to have to be honest. And it's not like I was running around telling lies. Um, you know, I mean, I was an honest person, but I wasn't honest with myself in, you know, what my addiction was doing to me, what it was doing to others around me. Um, and so the honesty has been a big part of it. And then I think, you know, also as well about the discipline piece, um, I went to the gym this morning and this, this came up actually with my trainer this morning and discipline is that when we are living a little bit more disciplined lives, things just kind of seem to go better. Um, so waking up and, you know, doing things for recovery for me, I, I wake up and I drink my coffee and I do my readings or I go to, and then I go to the gym and, and all that stuff. Uh, recovery has taught me a lot about work-life balance, but I also learned that in the military as well. And um, I would say the other big thing that's that's stuck with me is the resilience from the military. Uh, I didn't succeed my first time in recovery. I went to my first treatment center in Costa Rica in 2019 and over the years, I did three inpatient treatments and one outpatient and a ton of counseling. And I can say today that the obsession has been removed from me, but it took a lot of hard work. Uh, it took a lot of failing and giving myself the grace to recover from that and getting back up. And we learned that in the military as well. So, I mean, I think everything I learned in the military has helped me in my recovery journey. That's amazing. That is amazing. And there's something there that I want to take on to because you do a lot of work with veterans who are looking for recovery services or interested in recovery. And one of those programs that you're involved with is the Veterans Court. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, that's one of the highlights that I get to do every two weeks. Um, is I'm able to go to the Stearns County Veterans Court and support veterans uh, on their pathway to recovery. And Veterans Court is a two-year program and those individuals uh, show up twice a month uh, for two years as they go through the phases of the program. And we sit there in court with them for the full two hours and we listen to all the trials and tribulations, struggles and successes. And then we link up with them. So there's only one female in veterans court right now. And uh, she was drawn to me right away. And we both kind of struggled from the same like uh, female veteran connection, like other female veterans that are like us in recovery that we could um, connect with. And so making a one-on-one -on -one connection with her. And then actually all of the ones that are currently in court um, we've, we have some type of relationship, uh, support relationship with, and, um, you know, we're able to hear the unabridged, unadulterated version of what's going on in their life. And then we, we are there to either, you know, provide them, um, with, Hey, there's this meeting or, Hey, you need a gas card or, 
you know, um, something like that. It's, it's just been truly, truly an amazing experience for me. Wow. That is, that is so cool, Katie. And thank you for the work that you're doing now in recovery with our veterans. We're almost at the end of our program, but could you talk to us quickly about the work that you're doing specifically with female veterans? I think you've got a female veteran retreat coming up. Do you not? Uh, yes, actually, it's um, a retreat up in Osage at uh, Lake Jack Pines Resort, and we will, oh no, I'm sorry, you've got me confused. So the Female Veterans Retreat, yes, is, uh, that one is happening in August, August 4th through the 6th, and that one is the largest female veteran retreat in the state of Minnesota. Uh, there will be over 60 veterans there, all females, and it will be the first time that I've attended an all-female veteran retreat. So I'm going there as, um, you know, a participant, uh, and then also hoping to share some of the information from recovery community organizations in general and the recovery community network. Outstanding. Well, Katie, thank you for the work that you continue to do with the veteran community, especially uh, your service sisters, uh, sisters in arms that have served our country and now you are serving them through your position as the executive director of the Recovery Community Network. It's just been a joy and an absolute pleasure to have you with us today on Veterans for Recovery. Thank you, John. And and just in closing, I would just like to say, you know, how incredibly blessed I am. And I wouldn't be where I am without the support of my family accepting me back in and trusting me again and the support of the recovery community and the St. Cloud recovery community and, and veteran community as a whole. I really have, uh, it takes a village, you know what they say. Here, here. And uh, thank you for that. Uh, points well made and points well taken. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Veterans for Recovery. We are a recovery podcast on the Coming Home Well Network. Thank you for joining us. And this is Major Donovan signing off. You've been listening to Veterans for Recovery, a Coming Home Well podcast. We value your feedback. Please be sure to leave a review share and download this episode we thank our veterans and service members for your service to our country we thank our friends and families for their support and thank you for listening to veterans for recovery